Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. Twenty-three myths about multi-denominational education. There are so many rumours and myths about multi-denominational schools, Educate Together ones in particular, it was really no surprise to me why many parents, even if they reject the dogma and tenets of the Catholic faith, will say they prefer a Catholic school to a non-Catholic one. And we've seen this recently in Rahini, as we know if you've been listening recently. So I thought it would be interesting to list the myths I've heard over the years, many of which were probably parroted in that meeting Rahini and certainly were in Malahide a few years ago, trying to convince people that diversifying and divesting schools is a bad idea. And I came up with 23 of them. Some are going to require a bit of explanation, but others, let's say, will probably just speak for themselves. Hello, hello, you're very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education, a podcast which explores the primary education system. This is Simon Lewis speaking. With 23 myths to get through, I think I better get started. And I suppose it's best to start with the most famous one of all, which some of you might remember was the headline of an Irish Times article when this a fiasco in Malahide took place. And it was, multi-denominational schools don't celebrate Christmas, Easter, Halloween, St. Patrick's Day, and so on. Well, I suppose celebrate is a really interesting word because when most children think of celebration, they think of fun, they think of um, parties, they think of things like that. And when most religious people think of celebration, they think of something slightly different. So what I'm going to do is maybe explore that in that context. When most children think of Christmas, they think first probably about Santa and presents. With Easter, it's likely chocolate eggs that come first. St. Patrick's Day is generally about a parade. And none of these things are particularly religious in nature. And most Catholic schools are happy enough to oblige. However, on top of this, they add things like at Christmas, the birth of Jesus, at Easter, the death of Jesus, and St. Patrick, well, it's about bringing Christianity to Ireland. So they sort of sprinkle that in with the celebrations, the secularist aspect of the celebration with the religious access to celebration. You know, and the religious aspect, as I was saying, as genuine Catholics would argue, is the celebration, not the sparkly lights and floats along the main street. Celebration can mean different things to different people in the very same school. When Educate Together schools and community national schools mark Christian festivals such as Christmas, Easter and St. Patrick's Day, they do so maybe in a slightly different way. It's not that they're not celebrating them, it's they're marking them in a slightly different way because these schools recognise 
that their classes consist of children from a variety of backgrounds, not just one homogenous conglomerate of one thing that everybody believes. I'm reminded of Bart Simpson's quote about uh, Christmas. Christmas is a time of the year where everyone gets together to worship Santa Claus. I think I'm quoting him correctly. But they generally do their best in Educate Together schools, uh, knowing that that isn't the case, obviously. They generally do their best to be inclusive and genuinely inclusive. So Christmas should be no more celebrated in an Educate Together, in any school really, uh, in an Educate Together school or a community national school, than Hanukkah, for example, or Kwanzaa, or Yule. Um, and that is what they strive to do. However, recognising that there is a tradition of festivities and celebrations around December time for a number of different belief systems, often you're going to find festivals of light or winter concerts around Christmas time, which to most cultural Catholic eyes is no different to what they see at Christmas. No, you won't find a nativity play um, in uh, an Educate Together school, or you shouldn't do, um, and but... There will be generally songs and poems and plays in almost all schools around that time of year um, in varying degrees of snow and bells. What Educate Together and community national schools do is they teach the religious aspect of the festivals in an objective way. They don't say the religious aspect of the, of the days of the day is, is true. What they do is they teach what Christians would believe and the parties and the concerts and all of that sort of stuff, um, they take the religion out of them. In other words, rather than stating to the children, as I said, just around the subjective thing, we all believe that Jesus was born in a major, they'll talk to children about what Christians believe and they'll go further and ask the children about their own experience and maybe share in those. So you may have noticed by the way, at this stage, you know, because I don't want to harp on because I said I have 23 of these to get through. I didn't mention Halloween in that list because hilariously, despite these schools and it, this happened in Malloy, warning that Halloween would also disappear. It isn't even a Catholic festival. I mean, in any case, most schools mark, most educate together schools and community schools mark the final day of the autumn break with some sort of day where kids dress up in costumes or uh, may um, celebrate harvesting and things like that. Uh, it's just, I find it very funny, the Halloween thing. But just in case you were wondering, if you do check out as well to St. Track, I didn't mention St. Patrick's Day, uh, but if you check out any small town St. Patrick's Day parade and there's an Educate Together school in that town, you're very likely to find an Educate Together or Community National School in it marching. Let's look at number two. The second biggest threat, the headline one, is there will be no Grandparents' Day. Grandparents' Day, I find it puzzling, but it's become one of the highlights of Catholic Schools Week in the annual calendar. And in case you might have missed it, yes, even though every week in a Catholic school is Catholic Schools Week, sometime in January, every year, they have a week dedicated to Catholicism. Now, if that doesn't make any sense, you don't worry. It, it just doesn't make sense, absolutely doesn't make sense. Every single day of the week of this Catholic Schools Week is themed in some way around prayer, participation and mission because that's what Catholic schools are supposed to do. It seems bizarre to me that they have to have this special week um, where they do where they kind of do this because every week is supposed to be about prayer, participation and mission. And anyway, the Wednesday is generally the day 
where children's grandparents join their class. And it usually consists of a special assembly, which is either an actual mass or some sort of religious ceremony. And as everyone knows, you see, old people love religion, or so the thought process goes, I, I imagine, because I, what other reason would you bring people's grandparents into a religious week? Because Is it because all old people like religion or are more interested in, in particularly Catholic religion? I don't know what the, um, you know, I, I mean, naturally, nobody gives a single thought to the non-Catholic grandparents who, of course, are welcome, so they say, to join in to Catholic worship. Anyway, Catholic Schools Week, not, uncoincident, uh, not uncoincidentally, I believe, started in Ireland in 2012, shortly after the Forum of Pluralism and Patronage came into being. So I just want to say that again, it only started in Ireland in 2012. So not that long ago, and certainly not long after, the talk about divesting away from Catholic schools started. And much like Christians robbed pagan festivals, such as Yule and Imbolc, and turned them into nearly identical festivals, respectively Christmas and Easter, and then added Jesus into the mix, Grandparents' Days have existed in schools far longer than Catholic Schools Week has. In fact, you can go back to 1965, when Poland first celebrated Grandparents' Day, and then a year later in 1966, Japan followed suit. And if you do an internet search for Grandparents' Days, you'll find dozens of countries around the world that have been celebrating the day for years. Even our nearest neighbours in the United Kingdom introduced it in 1990, uh, a full 22 years before Catholic Schools Week came along, and I'm pretty sure Grandparents' Days were celebrated in Ireland when it, when it was introduced to the UK. Long story short, without Catholic schools, Grandparents' Days will continue as they always have before Catholic Schools Week came along. The only difference would be that everyone would be treated with equal respect, not just the Catholic grandparents. Many multi-denominational schools celebrate Grandparents' Days at different times of the year. Let's go down to number three. Due to having no uniform, children's safety on school tours will be compromised. Now, I should say I wouldn't talk about things, these myths that speak for themselves, as in they're just desperately looking for any reason whatsoever not to divest, because it is nonsense, of course. But, um, as I've discussed, you know, a lot on this uh, podcast, especially the chapter on uniforms, many parents try to find any reason they can to justify children being forced to wear a tie and polyester trousers. I, 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 and this is just one of those reasons. Oh, if you don't wear a uniform, you'll be lost. Now, I can tell you how many children have been lost on Educate Together tours over the last 40 years. The answer is zero. And, but I mean, I'm sure that, that that number is going to grow very, very quickly because, you know, at some point, no, of course not. But rather than simply admit that having a uniform is one less decision to make in the morning, they invent all sorts of daft ideas like this. As we know, Educate Together schools don't have uniforms, but community national schools do. So this breaks the argument immediately anyway, but does feel like arguing the point um, is like, you know, that cliche really. You could, I could argue this point. It's like wrestling a pig. 
you, you know, we, we both get dirty, but the pig likes it, basically. And although I always wonder how these parents are able to get a muddy uniform clean and dry the day after their child rolls away in the grass on a muddy day, anyway, a total of zero children, as I said, have been lost on school tours in Ireland due to a lack of uniform. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I can't believe this was the main, one of the main reasons put down as a reason not to divest. But it was. Number four. Children will not be able to greet each other in Irish. Now this um, this was something I'd never considered before I heard this in Malahide. It kind of struck me as, oh my gosh, wow. How, okay, I'm going to have to argue this one. Well, Diagwitch, all of you. Yes, they tried to argue that if Catholic schools tried to divest to a multi-denominational provider because Diagwitch translates to God be with you, these new schools would be unable to say hello to each other. Oy! Yeah, even worse, Dies Murugwitch translates as God and Mary be with you. And the mad thing is this wasn't the first time actually I've heard the argument, to be honest. I have heard. Um, I, 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 I just didn't think it would actually come up as an actual reason. And it wasn't really, well, the first time I'd heard the argument wasn't, to, you know, in, in light of you can't divest. I've actually genuinely asked, how do the children in my school say hello to each other? It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, and although this is another argument that speaks for itself because of its nonsense, I will make two points. As you know, I, or you might know, I went to a Jewish school. And when we learned how to say hello in Irish, there was no issue with Dies Merguich, even though Jewish people don't worship Mary. Secondly, the English word goodbye is a contraction of God be with ye. But funnily enough, I've yet to hear that word being banned uh, in Educate Together schools. Um, yeah, it's, it's a ridiculous, ridiculous argument. Number five, the school would have to change its name. I wish I had music. I must buy one of those machines that when you press the button, it plays those, you know, those cliched kind of things. You know, dun, 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 kind of thing. Yeah, most Catholic schools in Ireland are either named after the town's land that they're situated. So, for example, Adragol National School is in... Yes, you've guessed it, Adrigal near Bantry in West Cork. Now, if this school was to divest to a community national school or an Educate Together school, its name would change to, guess what, Adrigal Community National School or Adrigal Educate Together National School. Doesn't really sound that bad, does it? I don't know. Maybe it does. However, in bigger places, you'll say, ah, that's only small places. Bigger places, where they might have more than one school in a town or a city, they often are named after saints. So let's use Malahide, because Malahide was the place where this madness all began. If, the, if St. Oliver Plunkett National School, or as it's commonly known as STOP, uh, S-T-O-P, had changed to the same patron, so Community National School, it's most likely it would be called Malahide Community National School. Now, I honestly don't know how that seems to be completely unacceptable, to change the name of Oliver Plunkett National School to Malahide Community National School. Why is that such a, a skirmish, a smirch, a, I don't know, a smudge? I'm thinking of lots of words beginning with SM here. Like, what is the... I don't know what the problem is. Because parents don't seem too bothered about changing their school's name when, I don't know, 
I know there's a, a church abuse. So the Archbishop McQuaid National School in Lachlanstown was renamed to St. Columbanus National School after the Murphy Report was published. Eh, I just find it funny they don't mind then, but they do mind for that. Interesting. Number six. All teachers would lose their jobs and they'd have to reapply for them. <sighs> Simply nonsense. Again. And again, why would they say it if it wasn't true? Hmm. Well, I'll let you answer that question, but let's prove that it isn't true. Let's look at the schools that have already been divested and reconfigured from Catholic patronage to a new patronage body. Small number of schools were taken over by the Community National School around the country, and the first one was in 2016, and there's been a, about over a dozen of those. And all of the staff remained in their jobs, including the principal. In 2022, Nina became the first town where one of its big schools reconfigured the Community National School too. And again, all of the staff remained in their positions without any change to their seniority. I don't think I need to say any more. Number seven, educate together schools don't teach Irish. Oh, Maia, or can I say that? <laughs> you might be surprised that this is quite a common myth even among teachers. I have been asked on several occasions by teachers whether we teach Gaeilge. Now, I'm not sure where this rumour began, but it's definitely one that persists and I don't really understand it. And naturally, it's nonsense. Educate Together teachers, you know, do exactly the same curriculum as every other school. In fact, there is a Gwail school in Cork under Educate Together patronage, and there are several Gwail schools in it teaching Educate Together's Learn Together curriculum, and the, which is our ethics programme. Now, another misconception, which is also popular and possibly linked to the denial and wishful thinking, is that most Gwail schools are multi-denominational. So you'll often hear that, uh, oh, well, you know, Gwail schools are very multi-denominational. Now, in 2022, Fewer than 10% of Gwelskolner could genuinely call themselves multi-denominational. In fact, their patron body has decided to, I mean, they, 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 they don't want to be, um, their patron body are kind of in this kind of quandary at the minute. They're trying to carve out a niche for themselves. Not, not, is it, uh, not only is like speaking Irish kind of not niche enough, they want to create their own multi-denominational system. So they've decided to go down the same dark, silly road that Educate Together and the Community National Schools did in their early days and segregate children by faith groups during the school day. Um, now, maybe that's not the, the, what they want to do to carve out this niche, but I think it's this temptation that they want to please everybody because, you know, whether I like it or not, and we know this, that even people who tick no, uh, no religion in the census box want their kids to make communion somehow. I, I, I just don't, I, I know I've spoken about this several times uh, over the last year after I saw it written in the Irish Times, but it's... I think what a lot of um, Gwale School moms and Gwale School dads like is like the communion. You know, they don't want to go to church or anything like that, but like they want the communion because it's a good day, like, uh, and the confirmation. So they kind of do this kind of thing. Sorry for putting on my Gwale School voice there again. But um, what I'm what I'm what I'm trying to get to say is they're trying to please everybody, and in the end, it doesn't work. And um, they have their first school doing this, Tintala, where Catholic faith formation is taught during the school day and the heathens are shoved off together somewhere else to do 
God knows what. Um, it's a model that simply hasn't worked. And it's, you know, basically separating children according to the God that they believe in, basically. It just not only sounds bad, it, it is bad. So that's Gwelga um, and Educate Together and then Gwel Schools and Religion, both in the same little section. Number eight, Educate Together Schools are for Foreigners. Okay, this is another one that I find I'm asked about a lot, where there's an assumption as well that all Educate Together schools are much more multicultural than Catholic schools. Generally, Educate Together schools are as diverse as other Catholics, as, as basically any school. Yes, there are some Educate Together schools where there's a high migrant population. For example, Bracken Educate Together, which was opened in an emergency in 2007 due to a lack of school places, had over 97% of their pupils from migrant backgrounds. However, there are other schools where there's very little diversity and then there's everything in between. Speaking of which, number nine, Educate Together schools are middle class. And number 10, Educate Together schools are for disadvantaged kids. I, I don't really have a lot to say on this one except maybe make up your mind. Number 11. Educate Together schools are good for kids with additional educational needs. Now I think I can understand where this has come from. Before I tell you, for the record, Educate Together schools are no better for children with additional educational needs than any other type of school unless the child doesn't want to be indoctrinated into a particular faith or in general doesn't want to wear a uniform or really has a terrible time calling someone uh, sir or miss or not their first name. All schools technically receive the same dreadful lack of supports from the Department of Education and National Council for Special Education, the NCSE. However, because most Educate Together schools are newer, they have the drawback of receiving fewer resources from those aforementioned agencies thanks to an algorithm that they invented for allocating resources to school. Now, there's a full book in that alone. So let's just stick to the misconceptions about multi-denominational schools being better for children with additional needs. Especially in the early years of my school and other Educate Together principals will tell you this. I'll tell you the same story. Countless number of families will come to the school to enroll their child because the normal school, and I say that in inverted commas, sent them there saying that Educate Together would be better suited to their child. Now, I'm not telling a word of a lie. I've had it myself and I've had it out with the people who said it. Um, but the it's funny how the parents come in saying that the normal and they use the word normal school says that educate together will be better suited to the child and as bad as this is this rumor has stuck so well that even i mean I, they don't do it so much anymore but i remember when i started off that even the educational psychologists used to tell parents to try educate together because they're good with special needs it's a really unusual rumour. And in fairness, when it comes to supporting children with additional needs, Educate Together schools do punch above their weight. By 2022, Educate Together schools had the highest per capita number of special classes for autism than any other patron body. So maybe there's, maybe there's a seed of the truth in there. But the reality is, this is uh, just another myth. Number 12. There's no discipline or respect in those educating together with schools because of the first name basis. 
Yeah, this is another nonsensical allegation I've heard on loads of occasions. It's, it's really weird. I mean, and it usually follows this exact conversation, okay? Uh, I'll be somewhere. I don't know where I'll be. I could be sitting, I'd be at a wedding at, at, at the dinner table. I could be in the gym, in the changing room. And some lad, usually, uh, or some, some woman will say to me, Oh, you're a teacher, huh? Huh? Where do you teach? And I'll say, oh, I'm, I'm in the Educate Together school. Oh, all right. And why, what's, what's that then? You know, what's the difference in that in a, a, a normal school? They always say normal. Um, well, we, um, well, I like to think of ourselves as normal, I usually say. But anyway, I say, well, we don't teach just one religion as truth. Oh, proper order, proper order. That's the way it should be. Oh, and um, we, we don't have a uniform and everyone calls each other by their first names. So, what? So they don't call you sir? What do they call you? Oh, I generally say, Simon. Uh, and uh, would you have problems with then, with the respect? Now maybe I'm the opposite of old fashioned, but I don't think I call anyone by anything except their first name anymore. I call my doctor by her first name. When I'm introduced to a Garda, I've always, I'm always given a first name. I can't think of any job where I have had to call someone anything but their first name, except maybe I think a priest, I think that's the only one, though I don't have that many opportunities to meet them these days. Being called by one's first name doesn't mean one loses respect, no more than being called something other than one's first name means one will gain it, nor deserve it. Number 13. Parents walk in and out of the classrooms in those educate them all together schools. Now, if you are sorry for calling an educate together, uh, there was a there was, sorry I called it an educate them all together school is um, it comes from a a newspaper article about my school. I don't, tend not to talk about my school on the podcast because I don't like doing it, but this I think is a safe one. When our school opens, um, there was a, a counselor who. Um, was really against the school opening and uh, she referred to, to our schools as educate them all together uh, schools uh, and there's no need for them at all uh, but anyway that's so uh, just I joke by calling us educate them all together um, I might carry on that joke for the rest of this uh, myths because it is funny anyway if you're a parent you might read that sentence the parents walk in and out of classrooms in those educated schools and um, who has to, you know if you might probably read that sentence and you go who has the time to do that the answer to that question, just for the record, is very few people. However, that doesn't stop the vast majority of teachers asking me how I cope with all the parents coming in and out of my classroom because I work in an Educate Together school. It's one of the most successful misinformation pieces spread among students in teacher training college, I'd say. So much so that they believe that every morning the average Educate Together teacher is not only teaching your class, but she has a big audience of parents. I'm often tempted to tell them when they ask that we ask one of the children to play the part of the teleprompter. Do you know, they hold up a little sign so the parents know when to applaud. That's, you know, that's because it helps with the parents, you know, because if they don't know the running of a, t- of a, of a teacher, they need to know how to applaud, do the applause thing. Anyway, th- this myth has its roots in Educate Together's ethos, as, uh, as I'm sure you might really suspect, not just me taking the mickey. To be an Educate Together school, you have to have four pillars. You have to, you basically have to uphold these four pillars. Uh, the school has to be co-educational, equality-based, child-centered, and democratically run. And part of the democracy pillar is that parent involvement is encouraged, parental involvement is encouraged. 
That doesn't mean the door is open every morning and parents come and go as they please, educate together, even have to go to the effort of explaining what they meant because the rumours were so ubiquitous. Parental involvement needs to be meaningful and it needs to have a purpose. That means that if a teacher wants some help in the classroom, has an event, or wants to do a showcase of the children's work, parents are invited into the school. It isn't a free-for-all, but you knew that anyway. Number 14. Multi-denominational schools are anti-religion and anti-Catholic. One of my most powerful memories of going to synagogue one day was when my dad was leading the service. And it wasn't because he was leading the service, because he led the service quite a lot. It was an ordinary enough service with the usual prayers. And one thing I liked about my dad leading the service even back then was he used to like to ad-lib a lot of the tunes of some of the prayers. Um, you know, perhaps adding an extra trill or changing the tune of a, of a kind of a prayer ever, ever so slightly. And over the years, what I loved was some of his efforts stuck. And I always wondered if anybody else noticed in the congregation, or was this just evolution kind of in action a little bit? Anyway, near the end of this particular service, a man at the back of the synagogue shouted out at the top of his voice, There is no God! I've spoken to you earlier about not being anti-religious. I describe myself as a, a lazy atheist. I don't care what people do in their own time, as long as it doesn't affect me. Because the education system systematically affects me, my life, and that of my family, that's why you generally are listening to this podcast, because that's where it all began. Um, I'm not going on about the removal of religion from society, because whatever people believe is their own business. However, I do write a lot about removing religion, or like worship anyway, not religion particularly, but worship from schools, because that then becomes my business. What that man did in the synagogue that evening was not okay. Let me say that again. What that man did in the synagogue was not okay. Yeah, to my 10-year-old mind, it was very funny and we got a lot of mileage out of it for months afterwards. And no, it didn't set the wheels in motion for my own rejection of a god before you ask. <laughs> it wasn't okay because almost everyone in that synagogue was freely practicing their faith and they were there by choice, more or less. The entire purpose of synagogue service was for the collective worship of the members of that community. Nobody had to be there. Nobody had to go to the synagogue at all. And rightly so, that man was ushered out of the synagogue and I can't remember whether we ever saw him again. I should add that he wasn't murdered, just by the way. Um, I, I feel I should say that. <laughs> uh, I presume he was just simply told not to come back again. Look, I think people believe multi-denominational schools are anti-religious because for some reason they have been placed as being the opposite of denominational schools. Therefore, the assumption might be that just because um, denominational schools are pro one religion, I suppose, that multi-denominational schools must be anti-religion. Um, and to be fair, there's a lot of people that are anti-religion um, and they do believe uh, they should ridicule religion at every opportunity. Um, and there's a lot of truth in the joke of how can you tell a man is an atheist? 
Don't worry, he'll tell you. But if one is raised in a particular faith and then one rejects that faith, it is perfectly normal to go through a phase of being angry about it. And it's, you know, and go through this whole thing of ridiculing it and trying to prove wrong. It's quite natural to tell the world about your discovery, that there's no God and so on. However, after a while, you get to realise it doesn't actually matter. So you don't believe in God, big deal. Some people believe in God, you don't believe in God. Why do you need to be a missionary in the other way around? If somebody feels they should bathe themselves in milk every evening before they go to bed to please whatever God they believe in, it makes no difference to anyone else, nor should it. Perhaps the anti-religion allegation comes from a different place. Most likely, it probably comes from people like me wanting a separation of church and state because people think that's anti-religion. In other words, we want religious indoctrination removed from schools and again, this isn't anti-religion. At best, it could be argued that it's anti-one religion. For whatever reason, there seems to be a presumption in Ireland that we're a very Catholic country, despite the fact that we're supposed to be a republic, which is supposed to be secular, even though I do admit we have had a period of our time um, as a, having a Catholic history, a fairly strong Catholic history. However, even that doesn't check out. Ireland's population of Catholics in 2021 barely scraped the top 20 countries with the greatest proportion of people that identified as Catholic. Isn't that interesting? In the world, where we barely made the top 20. <laughs> and we drew in 20th place with Lithuania, by the way. And you probably wouldn't consider Lithuania a Catholic country, but it has 78.2% of the population. There are seven European countries ahead of us, just in case you were thinking, and I'm even excluding Vatican City from that, so really that's eight countries, if we're being absolutely, that are more Catholic than Ireland, and none of them, is, uh, and none of those countries, uh, now I don't know if there's any schools in Vatican City, that's why I left them out, force Catholicism in, in, in their schools. It's important to remember that the only difference in reality between a denominational and a multi-denominational school is that the former type, the denominational school, worship one deity more than the latter. I see an important role, by the way, because I just want to talk a little bit more about this. It's probably a, a, an important point and it could nearly have an episode about this in, in itself. But just to summarise, I do see an important role for religion in primary schools. I don't think we should remove religion completely from schools. What I see is religious literacy as an important thing. I, th I see it as important as media literacy, internet safety and any other aspect of this sort of SPHE curriculum in a way. I'm not saying it should be an SPHE, but those type of things like media literacy, internet safety and all the anti-bullying, all that kind of thing. The fact is that around 85% of the world's population profess to have a faith. Christianity, Islam and Hinduism are the three most practiced religions in the world, representing about 70% of all religions in the world. Atheists or those unaffiliated with a religion make up about 15%, a small percentage, a big enough one, the third um, highest, let's say, of belief systems. Um, but it's only 15%. So 85% of people, 85% of people in the world do have a religion. So why would you ignore it? It would be stupid not to teach children about the religions of the world. And that's what happens in multi-denominational schools. In fact, it could be argued that denominational schools are more anti-religion than multi-denominational schools because the vast majority of Ireland schools only teach about one religion practiced by under 18% of the world, whereas multi-denominational schools cover over 90% of religions. Anti-religion? 
Hmm, I think we might put that one to bed. Number 15. Catholic schools are good schools. Now, I've never had the chance to go on the radio to debate against David Quinn. Now, if you pay as much attention as I do to radio debates on the role of religion in schools, you know that most of these shows have the same two guests. Michael Nugent, the head of Atheist Ireland, and David Quinn, the founder and director of the Iona Institute. And the debate is, and while it's always the same and never really goes anywhere, and both parties leave thinking they've won the argument. Now, I don't think I would for any second I'd win a debate against David Quinn because he's hugely practiced, but I often imagine what I'd say to him. And one of his chief weapons when defending religious-run schools is to point out that internationally, Catholic schools are good schools. Now, he'll, con- he'll continue with the line that if you go to any country where there is a minority of Catholic schools, you will find that they are oversubscribed and achieve some of the best results in their prospective countries. He often cites the United Kingdom as his main examples uh, because they're our nearest neighbours and we're very similar in many ways. The logic here is that Catholic schools are good schools, so other types of schools are not good schools. He'll be able to show you data showing Ofsted, which is the UK inspectorate, their reports and so on. And therefore, ergo, he might say, if we stop having Catholic schools, our excellent education system will crumble and no longer be good. Now, while that isn't said explicitly, there is a strong inference that our excellent education system is founded on Catholic values. What isn't said is why Catholic schools are good schools. The majority of minority faith schools tend to do well academically, especially if the people going to those schools are middle class. So we're talking about why are these Catholic schools internationally good schools? And it's about the people that go to them. In the United Kingdom, in order to get into a Catholic school, there's loads of obstacles you need to get through in order to enrol. This can be as little as showing proof of attending Mass for several months or becoming involved at some level in the faith community. Long story short, this advantages people who want something better, in inverted commas, than the state education system. In the United Kingdom, you can simply go to your nearest school, which is likely to be in your housing estate or just beside it, or you can make a load of effort to play some sort of game to ensure your child isn't in the same school as children from the estate. Some call that wanting the best for their child. I call it snobbery. However, Catholic schools in Ireland are the state schools, more or less. I know they're not technically the state schools, but they're the majority schools. You don't have to make any effort whatsoever to get into a Catholic school now that the baptism barrier was moved. Catholic schools in Ireland, notice I said moved and not removed. Um, By the way, I I argue that the baptism barrier was only moved inside the school building from outside the school gates, just in case you uh, you didn't know about that little reference. Anyway, Catholic schools in Ireland, like any schools in Ireland, are generally good schools, or at least good enough. If you compare Catholic schools to all other schools in the country, you'll find they are average. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to be average. This is unsurprising, of course, given they have almost a monopoly of the education system. There is no such thing as a good school in Ireland, and it's a really lazy but really dangerous argument. 
And, you know, I've explored this before um, when I was talking about the search of a good school. I think it's episode four. I recorded about three, three and a half years ago, maybe four years ago at this stage. And I think the argument still stands. So I, 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 won't, I won't go on about it. Let's go on to number 16. You can't make communion or confirmation if you go to a multi-denominational school. So if your Catholic child goes to a Church of Ireland school, um, and this has been the case for many, many, many decades, the school's local Catholic parish prepares your child for Catholic sacraments outside of school time. And this practice, as I said, has been happening for decades. I went to a Jewish school, and the Catholic children had Catholic faith formation before school, and all of them made their sacraments. This is because the Catholic Church values its members, and even if they don't go to their own schools, that they control, they do believe it is their right to have the same rights, and I R-I-T-E-S there, as any other Catholic. So, you would assume. And generally, that is the case. So why on earth would the Catholic Church reject children that go to a multi-denominational school? It may seem like a very obvious, th- obvious thing, but the vast majority of priests believe in their mission. Any priest that refuses to allow a Catholic child make their sacraments because they go to a multi-denominational school is not following his mission. Hence, why the myth is a myth. You might have heard rumours of a priest being unhappy, maybe in the early days of a multi-denominational school opening and making it difficult and so on. But the reality is, no child, no Catholic child, has been refused sacraments because they went to a multi-denominational school. And if that happened, uh, and if it has happened, I haven't heard about it, number one, but it's the most anti-Catholic um, thing a priest could do to um, not allow uh, a member of their own faith community to have a rite of passage. Uh, I Anyway, I mean, I, that's why I think it's a myth, because it's just, I've never heard it happening and it would have made national news. The truth is, though, and the truth might be, that you can't, outsource your child's communion or confirmation preparation to a multi-denominational school. Now that's a different thing. So what I'm saying is your child can make their communion or confirmation if they go to an educate together school. It just happens to happen outside of school time. The trouble is a lot of parents don't like that and they like the fact that they can outsource the teaching of you know they have to make a bit of an effort in multi-denominational schools. With this they have to make no effort. They can outsource it to their school. So if you're one of these parents that gives out about the priest forcing your child to attend a certain number of masses before being allowed to make their sacraments, the problem is in the church. Cultural Catholicism seems to be of the opinion that religion should only happen in school and it should have nothing to do with the home. A multi-denominational school will not prepare your child for it amounts to a party for many. And perhaps that's really what people mean when they quote that myth. Number 17. Sure, they're all hippies. Yep, middle-class disadvantaged hippies that are great with foreigners with special needs. I think that's the logic anyway. Number 18. Their teachers aren't qualified. While it might be tempting to treat this rumour with the same contempt as the previous nonsense, there is a logic to it, however twisted it may seem. You might remember that I mentioned that up until recently, almost all teacher training colleges are controlled by either the Catholic Church or in in one case, the Church of Ireland. So it makes sense, therefore, that if one was to be in an Educate Together school or a community national school, um, that one might have to go to a different college in order to be qualified in their hippie 
ways. Given that there are no um, training colleges for those teachers, they must not be properly qualified teachers. Yeah, I think. Maybe, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have tried to explain this. It's, it just still sounds absolutely ridiculous. Number 19, they have looser teaching methodologies. Speaking of which, this is another common theme when people talk about Educate Together schools in particular. I just, you know, I, I hear it a lot. I remember the first time I heard it, to be honest with you. I was asked to go on a radio program um, to discuss Educate Together because my school was just about to open. So I was kind of fresh. I was in my, I was only 29, gosh. I was so young getting the job. Um, but anyway, the program was all about diversity. Um, it was a great idea for a program. So I thought I was in for an easy ride um, because it was a local station. So it wasn't a national state station. And my warm-up call was really friendly. I actually thought this was going to be kind of nice. And everything started really well because um, I talked about the school and I explained how it was different to normal schools. And then I mentioned that we didn't wear uniforms. Well, I may as well have said that this school was some sort of lawless anarchy. I spent the rest of the interview trying to explain that the school does actually have rules and that uniforms don't necessarily automatically acquire respect as the presenter became more and more exacerbated with me. Now, I'm generally always surprised when people talk to me about my school and talk about how freeing it must be to have those looser teaching methodologies. I, mean, I also wonder what they mean when they say looser teaching methodologies. Do they think we just kind of walk in every morning and make things up as we go along according to what the children want and the parents in the audience? Like, <laughs> Sorry, I just couldn't resist the parents in the audience bit. Um, I, I'm thinking of the, 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 um, the, the other child not holding the applause sign. There's one with a board kind of writing down the ideas as we go along. What will we do today, lads? Anyway, to be honest, I think when they say looser, they're talking about discipline. Now, I won't lie, the word discipline is not one that I like, hence why I'm saying discipline. It kind of offers only mistrunchable vibes, and I don't know any school, multi-denominational or not, that doles out discipline anymore. You know, it's kind of a funny thing, like, you know, nobody does that anymore. Not Catholic schools, Church of Ireland schools, Jewish schools, Muslim schools. We don't do discipline. However, there's a perception that multi-denominational schools aren't as strict as religious schools, as if, first of all, as if that's a bad thing. I don't really understand why they think this is a bad thing. And not only is it untrue, um, like we're not strict and no, one's, no school is strict anymore. I just don't get this because religious schools are as nice to children now as they, you know, are really nice to kids these days. But it's a strange thing to hold against a school. Like why would anyone want their five-year-old to be sent somewhere to be disciplined? you know, loosely or otherwise. Anyhow, number 20, we're getting there. We've only got four more to go here. How long are we going here? I'd say, are we well over the, oh gosh, we're nearly going to do an hour's episode here. Educate together schools don't have boards of management and or their boards of management are made up of parents. Now, if a teacher had a nightmare, any old teacher, think of a teacher. If they had a nightmare, it might be about a school where parents ran the place. When a teacher thinks of this scenario, they aren't thinking about the 99% of parents that are lovely, normal people. They're thinking about the parent that sends emails at two o'clock in the morning with a follow-up email at nine o'clock the next morning, wondering why they haven't received a reply. 
They're not thinking of the nice parents. They're thinking about the parent who decides the teacher's bullying his child after, the tr- after, the, after his child gets into trouble and he had to write a reflection sheet. Yeah, they're not thinking of the nice, you know, of the, of the nice parents. They're thinking of the parent that comes to the classroom door every single morning as if sending their child into the trenches. You'll be okay, buddy. I'll be here later on. When teachers hear the rumour about Educate Together schools having boards of management made up of parents, they're thinking about those parents. While it is logical, illogical in many ways, it's totally understandable because there are examples of schools where unhealthy conflict has occurred between parents and school staff. Because back in the olden days of Educate Together, what were known as the school projects, the schools were generally driven by parents who specifically wanted a multi-denominational school for their child. So these parents, especially in the early days of those schools once they opened, tended to be heavily invested in them. And often the first chairperson of the school was a parent that was involved in the startup committee. And often the parents' association was made up mainly of the same cohort of people who were involved in the startup. And usually the first principal wasn't part of that setup. So sometimes attention could happen when the principal might want to make their own mark on the school and the parents' expectations may not match that. These days, Educate Together schools are just like every other school, especially in terms of boards of management. There's eight people on the board, the principal and the teacher, representative, a chairperson and a nominated person who represent the patron, two parents, a mother and a father, and two external community members who should have little to do with the school. Educate Together schools and other multi-denominational patrons are as much at risk of the teacher's worst nightmare than any other school. And that risk, to be honest, is minimal. Number 21. There's loads of bullying in those Educate Them All Together schools due to the lack of the uniform. So this is um, similar to the nonsense about how many kids we lose on school tours for exactly the same reason. And... I've talked about this before when I talked about uniforms in school, so I don't want to go on repeating ourselves, but I'll just make the point really, okay? In Ireland, most schools have uniforms, okay? And when uh, when you ask parents about uniforms, they'll say, oh yeah, it reduces the bullying, you know? And you know, the real answer, like the truthful answer is it's one less decision to make in the morning because you don't have your child saying, I'm gonna wear this, I'm gonna wear that, and all the rest of it. So they have a uniform, it's one less thing for a parent to do. That's the real reason why parents like uniforms. It's nothing to do with anything else. It makes their life easier. And I don't understand why they don't just say that. But no, because that doesn't sound good, they have to make up these odd reasons why uniforms are good oh no they're very good they do be stopping they make they treat everyone with equality you know you don't know who's rich who's poor nonsense oh and, and the main one like this one here that to say they stop bullying they stop bullying for the same reason because you don't know who's rich you don't know who's poor and all that it's absolute nonsense and the reason it's nonsense and i could talk about like how how uh, you know Basically, that would mean there's no bullying in schools with uniforms, you know, and there is. It also, you know, but what I can do is I can point you to every country in the world, which is the majority of countries where there isn't a uniform and they aren't absolutely ravaged by bullying. You know, it just seems to be this really lazy, inward, in, um, in, in incestuous kind of argument that they don't look outside the, um, the four walls of the island, you know, that, 
there are other countries in the world where uniforms are not a, a, a thing. And funnily enough, bullying isn't uh, mad as a result of it. I mean, I think it proves it wrong, really, in the... Um, you know, as a nonsense in the, uh, just without having to make any more effort into it. So essentially, no, there isn't more bullying in Educate Together Schools because we don't have a uniform. I don't know why you'd be surprised by that, but there you go. Number 22, children won't be ready for second level if they go to an Educate Together school because there aren't any Educate Together secondary schools. Well, up until 2011, that is, when Educate Together opened its first secondary school. But before then, students had to leave those looser confines <laughs> of their primary school and go into the big bad world of a non-Educate Together secondary school. And the students did fine. You might wonder, well, how do you know that, Simon? Sure, it's easy to say that, but how do you know? Well, there were actually genuine fears from parents when they enrolled their children in Educate Together's primary schools about what would happen to them in second level after having a lovely time in Educate Together um, without the pressures of religious indoctrination, having, a having no uniform, being able to call their teachers by their first name and all the rest of it. They um, felt that the ethos of an Educate Together school might disadvantage them in their perception of what they thought second level would be like. And it became so much of an issue that Educate Together actually had to do something about it. They felt the need to commission a study on the transition from primary to secondary school for Educate Together students compared to those coming from other schools. And the result of that um, of, the, of that paper, of that, of that uh, study, was there was no difference. So that's how I know. However, this hasn't stopped many families still worrying about it, and I hear it quite a bit, and it doesn't stop those who benefit from the scaremongering that happened in Malahide and Rohini and all those places by spreading myths about multi-denominational schools, by saying they won't be ready for secondary school if they go to those educate them all together schools. Number 23, the teachers aren't paid. Now, to be honest, I have to confess, only one person has ever said that. And actually it was my mother-in-law. And I don't think she was actually being serious when she said it. Um, she's she's kind of got a funny sense of humour. Um, and just in case you do believe it, I, I, don't, I don't do my job for free. Um, <laughs> we're paid exactly the same as all other teachers. We, you know, remember the Department of Education doesn't uh, um, basically uh, pays uh, teachers directly but has no um, sort of responsibility for what they do they've outsourced that to religious bodies and educate together so we have exactly the same pay scales there is no difference um, if difference at all and yes yes indeed I am paid for working in the school so you can see even if they don't particularly like the the denominational system that we have these parents they, they may not like Catholic schools and studies have shown that they would prefer not to have uh, religious uh, bodies running schools. Why many people are not keen to change uh, from the current school that they're in to a multi-denominational school. I mean, better the devil you know and all that. But in my opinion, if we're to get anywhere near an alternative to divest, this, uh, to get divestment to work, to get reconfiguration to work, we have to tackle the lies and the rumours that are out there I find it so disheartening, if I can be serious for a bit, I find it really disheartening that people I call friends, people I admire, people who are in the education system itself 
have been and can be guilty of assuming some of this nonsense. And when people within the system believe and often speak of them as if they're the truth, how do we expect the general public to think otherwise? And if I were the Minister for Education, I would be maybe running some sort of campaign to uh, educate people about what multi-denominational schools look like in terms of divestment. They tend not to do that. They leave that to the schools themselves so they're able to continue the fear-mongering. So what I would do is I'd be, if I were the Minister for Education is I would be attending those meetings and I would be ensuring that the truth would be told. So there you have it. Uh, that is 23 myths about multi-denominational schools. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I, I hope you found some of them kind of funny, I mean, as well as infuriating, I'm sure. Um, but uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'll be back with a, an interview next. Um, I will, I'm very, very pleased and very excited about this one. This is probably my most famous person um, that I've interviewed. It's uh, Michelle Stowe, uh, who you might know from um, Restorative Practice. So Connect RP is her company. With a conference coming up in March. Uh, I'll be having a quick chat with her and um, I hope you look forward to listening in. Thanks so much for listening. All the very best. Bye bye.